Hello, listeners. I'm Logan McLean, and this is OJT On The Job Training. It's a podcast where I, a journalism student, practice my craft by interviewing passionate people about their projects. Nancy Quinn owns Seaside Books in Summerside, PEI. Before she bought it in 2019, it was Avonlea Books, a dusty, though beloved old store that didn't really stand out. Now, it's a lively, warm gathering place that reflects the character of its owner. I joined Nancy in the bookshop last December to talk about how she's changed the store, her relationship with books and patrons, and the role of business in giving back to the community. So, I first met you about a little, almost a year and a half ago now. Yeah. You had just gotten the store. Yeah. And I remember I asked you then if you'd do an interview, and I, I also remember thinking, I might wait a little while. About a year <laughs> in is probably a good time to come back. Good see planning. If, see if things haven't burnt to the ground. Just growing up in Summerside, I know uh, it's hard to hard to pull off a business here. Although this place was already here, the the the, the location was already established. Yeah. Uh, certainly, as a bookstore, and Richard did a fine job because I love coming here. And uh, but I did make a lot of changes. Yeah, and um, that's what I was going to ask about. What because it's you know used bookstores have a lot of similarities. They tend to be crowded in a in a somewhat comforting way a little dusty also in a comforting way uh but this place has a real sense of vibrancy and ordered chaos i think it'd be the word what what kind of changes have you made to what was here before to kind of realize your vision so richard was very creative in that uh he understood that particularly visitors to the area are interested in local bits and pieces and antiques and things like that. So he carried a, a big second line on antiques and, you know, had different kinds of things running in and out of China. And, and he also did a great line on puzzles. And I used to come here myself and buy uh, the lovely Canadian made puzzles that, that uh, he brought in. But I decided that I just wanted books. So I've probably easily doubled the inventory. I put in a lot more bookshelves. Um, I There's a couple of plants around now. I pour tea for people. I like when um, music is playing. Um, one of the very first things I did uh, was the first day uh, I opened up the doors uh, for the fresh air to come in because it was a very kind of fusty feel and I wanted to have a more open feel. Mm -hmm. So things like that, uh, building a back deck and opening up a second entrance um, was something I, because I, I, I like openness, I like daylight. One of the challenges with the bookshop is that most of your walls have books on them and they don't have windows. Um, so I, I, but I did put in a big new window so I could look at the ocean. Is that the one right behind you? That's the one right behind me. Mm -hmm. I've kind of organized it to one half of the shop is fiction and the other half is nonfiction. And that's really easy for people to grasp. And uh, um, I'm most people. Most people want to come in and get their books and leave. It's not a browsing activity mm -hmm. as much as uh, as it used to be. Um, people are in a hurry. People don't have as much time and they don't, you know, so to make time to spend an hour drifting about the bookshop is something that not everybody does. But they usually come in with a reasonably clear idea of, of what they want to read. So I just find it. So you don't get many people sitting in the chairs just chilling for half an hour? Not often, um, but certainly everybody who does uh, is grateful. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's at least a couple of chairs is nice for 
know, before buying a book to find out if you're even going to like the person's prose style. It's like you might be certain I want to read about this this subject, but man, you get home and they're impenetrable. <laughs> yeah, I like I, I I say to people, make sure that you haven't read it before. You know, um, make sure this is the one you want. Make sure it's translated. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So there's uh, and there's like just glancing about. There are twelve different individual chairs for people to sit on. It's more than it looks like. Yeah, because uh, they're all kind of in corners and and that sort of thing. So were there any, um, did the previous uh, owner leave you with any cautions, warnings, advice? Not only that, uh, he actually spent the first two weeks coaching me through. Okay. uh, Which was awesome. Um, And so he was by my side for for the first week. and, uh, And then, you know, he was sort of letting me drift after that. So he was super helpful. Um, and yeah, he gave me all kinds of tips. Uh, he was committed to seeing the success. I mean, this was his baby for 21 years. Um, so he wanted to uh, do a good handoff, and he did. Yeah, and I guess he was here a couple weeks ago when I was by. Yeah, he, 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 he drops in, uh, you know, just to make sure everything's okay. He... Uh, he he laughs at me because he said to me, "Don't leave books on the floor." <laughs> I'm, well, most of the time they're in um, a box ready to be, you know, uh, cleaned and and shelved and and. Uh, but sometimes there's a pile of books on the floor, and he he'll say, "Books don't uh, don't put the books on the floor," and he's he's absolutely right. <laughs> They're just in transition. Yeah, they're in transition. Yeah. They they don't usually stay there for very long. Every once in a while, I hear Richard's voice in my head saying, oh. "Yeah, we should really have another look at that." <laughs> you know, like, "Oh, you know, you can't charge that much, or you should be charging this much," <laughs> and you know, things like that. That's encouraging to hear that it wasn't just you know handed you the keys, walked away, and said, "Good luck." Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't like that at all. I mean, yeah. as I said, I'd been a long time customer. And I mean, Richard loves the books, yes. right? Yeah, having known him a bit myself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he understands the importance of reading and, and looking after books and finding the right owner. And yeah, yeah, I, definitely, you know, there were the things that he said to me that I know I, I, I just do now that, you know, were such good advice. So, in terms of the things that you've done in the last year and a half, how much of it has been like, planned that you had okay i'm gonna get this store and i'm gonna do this and this and has it been that or more spontaneous just one day you're like ah you know what that needs a chair in that corner exactly so it was it's been very organic um which is odd because i have another career as a business advisor i'm a business consultant before I bought the bookshop, I was the economic development officer for the city of Summerside for eight years. Okay. And my professional career has been in uh, business development, largely, and community development. All the way through, I've never taken any of my own advice. It's been all gut instinct and mistakes and learning. Uh, I, I think I probably have, you know, those those business operational structures deeply embedded in in my operation anyway. But for the most part, it was about finding my way. Um, there were a couple things that I knew uh, in terms of business that I wanted to do. Um, I very much wanted to add the second entrance at the back. That was a big thing for me because I wanted to be more open to uh, the visitor market, which is out my back door. 
uh, at the boardwalk and the Confederation Trail. Right, farmers market and yep, and the, the bustling and downtown. Yeah, all 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 of those things. Um, so that was something that was probably the most structured thing in my head. In fact, before I took over the business, I made sure that I could do that because uh, I felt that that was very important. Um, but yeah, really, I'm I'm um, I have some plan, but mostly I fly by the seat of my pants. PEI has a lot of tourist-based industries, and a lot of local businesses tend to cater to those. I don't get that sense here a whole lot. So in that line, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what went on here on Christmas Day. And uh, you had the store open without sales for some guests? It does feel like a place for the community. Um, Certainly, um, part of my background uh, was working in tourism in in Niagara Falls, actually, which welcomes close to 20 million visitors a year. Uh, So I have that background. But really, it was, uh, for me, a a business that operates year-round in the community. It's invested in the community. The community is invested here. That was one of the reasons why I decided to open Christmas Day, because so many of the people that come in here, uh, while they are also purchasing customers, frequently come in just to browse and to hang out and have a cup of tea. And one of the reasons why some of those people do that is because they live alone and it's social contact for them and they otherwise may have busy or not busy lives, uh, but this is sort of a haven for them. And I thought it would be nice to say thank you to, at first, those very loyal customers and friends and people who have become friends since I since I took over the bookshop and rebranded it. Uh, to to visit with them on Christmas Day. Um, And because I have many friends in the wider and business community here, um, and I thought it would be nice to to say that business can do this kind of thing. Um, It doesn't have to be a not-for-profit that opens for, say, a New Year's levy or an institution. It can just be a way for somebody to say, I like being around you. I, I like opening my arms to you. Yeah, so that's one of the main questions I had, actually, um, is about, is it more about the books, the people, the selling books to the people, the, as we just had somebody drop off several boxes of books here. Is it a combination of all those sort of things? It is, really. Um, I was always, from like the, as early as I could read to myself, which was chapter books at about age five, uh, I've always been the girl in the corner with the books, and now I'm the middle-aged lady in the bookstore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's driven by the books. Um, like most uh, inveterate readers, I'm an introvert. I am just a very well-trained extrovert. Um, so it's it's prime. It's first and foremost about the books. It's about finding the books a home. It's about looking after them until the next owner shows up. Um, it's about caring about them. I, The delight that I experience when a bunch of new books come in the door and I get to start going through the boxes and looking for treasures is uh um, central to what I do here, Mm -hmm. you know, the love that I have for the books. But, you know, um, 
the people that come in here that I have made friends with because of uh, sharing the same sort of interest in reading and books has given me a whole new community of people here uh, in the city of Summerside. Uh, so I, I couldn't do it without either the books or the people. How important do you think that sort of love for reading and sharing that is to a community? Literacy is um, a big challenge. Um, so being able to communicate and share that love of reading, uh, I think, alleviates illiteracy. Uh, illiteracy rates are high on the island. So it's nice uh, to give people the opportunity to read up, which is something I work on really hard here. What do you mean by read up? So some people say, come in and say, I'd like to be a reader, but I'm not. Where do I start? And I like to start them off with a simple bite book. Uh, and when I say a simple bite book, I mean books where you can open to any page and read a couple of interesting facts. And um, it's a, a segue drug way to the books. Got any examples? Yep. Uh, Uncle John's Bathroom Readers. I was just about to say that. I, I, I still regularly annoy people with, did you know... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm always been the Cliff Clavin. <laughs> um, yeah, I I fully I fully endorse uh, books like that. Um, you know, two thousand exciting facts about um, the Maritimes or something, mm -hmm. just to get people started. And um, romance books, uh, primarily, which women read, and westerns, which primarily men read. Um, are great segue books to other books. Uh, they're simple, they're predictable, they're enjoyable. We know the authors, uh, you know, Louis L'Amour and Zane Grey and Danielle Steele and Debbie McCumber. These are all um, also great reads um, and are often uh, a way to lead people to more complex reading. Although that's not always my goal. My goal is simply to get books into people's hands that they feel comfortable with. Um, but I do like to say to people, you know, if you like this writer, I think you're going to like this one. And, you know, I, I, I frequently step up as well as sideways on that. I think that's a good way to get people onto reading because it's very much a learned skill. And it, I had a university professor compare it to like exercising and weightlifting, how after you've gone and read like complicated philosophy, like Kant and Spinoza, you come back and read, you know, just a regular novel and it's like lifting nothing. That's true. At the same time, it's definitely important to start with anything that you can lift just to, you know, uh, those examples you gave of Westerns and romances are great because a lot of them just tell a good story. They do. And that's and, why they're popular. Yeah. And an exciting accessible way yeah and yeah it's just enough to get people in the door and the other thing is is that uh a lot of people assume that booksellers uh are maybe a little pompous about books i'm totally not i love all the books um and i I just think it's good when people are reading. It doesn't matter to me where they start or stop or end up or what time they're in. I know that in my reading history, uh, as I say, I've read every genre and I go back and forth between them. Um, 
I would say for the last few years, I tend to read a lot of heavy history, a lot of history. But I get there. Uh, I get to history by starting with light historical fiction, always. And that leads me to, I want to really know the whole story. Yeah, it places you in that world, and then you kind of want to see why. You get familiar with the historical characters and their relationships, and, and then move on. And... and uh, but, you know, when I'm reading heavier history, like a student, I need escape. I yes. need I need to absolutely read something, just a book where my eyes are going left to right in really rapid fashion and I'm getting the story. And it's just fun. It doesn't have to be work. I don't have to learn every time I read. Sometimes I just want to let my eyes roll across the lines of print. And perfect example, New Year's Day, I decided to reread harry potter mm -hmm. so that's kind of an annual thing anyway but i've never actually started on new year's day so i was a little proud to open those pages last night and also a customer very kindly brought me a lovely collection of harry potter books over the holidays and movies so and i was i didn't have a philosopher's stone of my own uh that had the first 10 pages my own copy is missing <laughs> the first 10 pages because it's been read so many times and has taken a couple of swims and bubble baths and things <laughs> like that so i had a lovely uh almost brand new copy uh to start off with and you know harry potter and the philosopher's stone is not complex reading unless you really want to make it so mm -hmm. it can just be a nice story do you like rereading books when you're going for that sort of thing where you know what's going to happen i'm an inveterate rereader i've read some books 30 and 40 times uh although those are fewer and and they don't take me as long to read now but i make myself slow down about every fourth or fifth reread re <laughs> i know it sounds ridiculous when i'm surrounded by so many great books but it's like visiting for me an old friend mm -hmm. and they're always a little different each time the books are the same, but we're different. We come to a reread as a different person. And I think for me, the quick example is uh, the first time I read Rilla of Ingleside, which is the eighth book in the Anne series by Lucy Maud Montgomery. And the book opens and Rilla is a teenager. She's 14 going to her first party. And when I read that book, I remember thinking, I can't wait till I get old enough to go to my first party. And so now I reread that book, um, and, you know, 40 plus years later, maybe 45. And, uh, and I am, I'm about the age of Rilla's mother, who is Anne of Green Gables, who's all grown up with the family, watching her sons go off to war. So I've, I've, and th that particular book is peopled by, by women because the men are all away at war. So all through my life when I've read that book, I've, I've taken on, uh, I've lived with a different character who is about my age all, all the way through. So I, I think the books are the same, but our understanding of the characters and, and how they react and how we've as, mm, matured uh, can get reflected in, in our read. On the topic of treasures and looking through those books, what, how, does, how do you go about a selection process like that? Because I know you won't have to have one eye to resale, of course, but as you said, you love the books. And so I'm sure a part of you is in that. And with that, how much are you thinking about having to be able to give recommendations to people? How much do you want to know the books yourself? 
So after 50 years of reading, um, I can say that I have read at least something from every genre. Um, there are there are certain genres that I um, prefer over others. Um, and so obviously I'm better with the recommendations there. But every time the book, when the books come in, I try and get to know each of them. Um, so I may have a box that comes in that's full of, say, Tom Clancy, Clive Cussler, uh, W.E.B. Griffith. You know, these, these are the chaps that uh, write heavy duty spy intrigue. Um, so I, I, you know, I know those writers. And then there's literary fiction and, you know, kind of understanding who's on the boards of literary fiction and why they're there and how they ended up and what the awards are. So, I mean, the backs of books and the inside front cover will tell me a lot of that. And I, I'm pretty lucky that when I read that quick description, I understand it and where it belongs in my shop and how it fits into the whole panoply of, of books and what people might like uh, with recommendations. When a box comes in, typically I, I separate right away between fiction and nonfiction. That's an easy sort. Um, any books that are cloth bound, I recognize immediately as having a little bit of extra value. Any books that I find that people have uh, given to me um that I, I see is uh, worth three figures, $100 or more. Uh, I try and let the people know unless they're just like, no, I don't want anything. Just keep them. They're out of my way, which does actually happen when people are house cleaning. And so there's those treasures. Um, uh, books that I've never seen before always intrigue me. Um, covers and artwork. Uh, are something that I've really fallen in love with actually for the first time in books when I bought the shop. I never really thought about the covers of a book um, as much as I do now, which is with every single book. Um, I'm actually just starting a whole backline of knowledge on illustrators, which is something I never did, and it's it's awesome fun. Yeah, there's some interesting illustrated editions like there Ralph are. Steadman's Hunter S. Thompson, the Lewis Carroll illustrated ones. And some illustrators that do that go from genre to genre. It's interesting watching what they do. So yeah, that's a, that's a new thing about looking and choosing the books. How often do you have to just reject things? You get a pile of say Harlequins, nothing against romance novels, no. but they are, you know, sometimes three for a dollar sort of thing. You don't, you have limited space. I do. I do. Um, so romance is so popular that I built the bookshelf throne of romance, uh, which is super duper popular. And uh, romance is a well-loved genre, um, but prolifically published, just like uh, pop fiction mm -hmm. intrigue. And so I do uh, try and put out only the best copy that I have. Uh, for the very popular books, I do keep some. Uh, in reserve, um, just to make sure I can satisfy, you know, people's backstory issues when they come in. Um, but yeah, definitely there are books uh, uh, that have come to the end of their life when they are missing pages or covers, or the binding is broken, and really they're, they're um, overpublished, so uh, I recycle them. So I do everything I can to recycle them in the store. Vis-a-vis um, uh, -vis using their pages as other objects, 
Um, I use them as signage. Uh, I really do try. In fact, all of the Christmas gift cards that we uh, um, offered this year were recycled old books. Could make wrapping paper. Could do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, are the those kinds of books tend to be the biggest sellers, the ones you get in a lot? Or do you, is, do people come in for a lot of like PEI local kind of stuff here? Yeah, so actually the biggest selling genre that I have is uh, PEI history mm-hmm. as, a, as a single topic. So people do come in looking for the books that are rare and out of print. Um, and I, I'm always on the hunt for those and always uh, watching them go out the door. And the happiest days for me is when I know they're going to a home on the island um, or Sometimes islanders who live away take them away with them, and I have a little bit of sadness about that because I think about the PEI culture that's like leaving the island. So it's nice to it's uh, it's nice to see them go locally. Um, but a lot of them, a lot of the picture books get sent away for Christmas gifts, and I think about the people on the other end, the islanders that are getting those books to remind them of home. I think that's nice. So does it tend to be locals who buy those those books too? Typically, yes, it does uh, tend to be tend to be locals. Occasionally, we'll get visitors in for a short period of time who want sort of a comprehensive little look at the island or some comedy, and certainly, uh, uh, Maud's, Lucy Maud Montgomery's books right. um, come and go it with great rapidity. Any uh, any treasured favorites that you hate to see go? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Um, but frankly, the books that I love the best are the first ones that leave <laughs> because people are like, so I'm, you know, I'm not sure what I want, but kind of in this zone. And I'm like, ooh, I have the perfect book. And I've read it 12 times and I know. Um, I can tell you, listeners, that is exactly the reaction. <laughs> Come in and just mention something to Nancy and she's gone back yeah. with three copies of something. Well, you know, there's not a conversation that I have anymore that isn't punctuated in my brain by there's a book for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know it. And if I don't have it, um, the first place I send people, um, if I, if they want it right away is up to the, uh, local new book bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and they are also very good at sending people here for backstories. So it's nice to have that little kind of underwritten partnership. Also, there are other great bookshops uh, here on the island. And and uh, I've actually called them and said, I have somebody right here. I don't, I don't have it. Do you have it? Yeah, I was going to ask about um, the relationship with other other bookstores, especially Coles in Summerside being the the new bookstore. Do you guys have... I suppose it would be friendly, but much direct competition? Or does it tend to be a little more two sides of the same coin because this is used and they're new? Yeah, I think there's there's that recognition. At the, at, you know, the, the, bottom, the bottom line on books is that if you're selling them, uh, you love them. Mm-hmm. You care about them. You're a reader, too. Um, and certainly I've bought many, many, many books at the local new bookstore and they send people and we have an open line of communication, which I'm very happy with, um, because we're, 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 we're at different ends of the spectrum about putting books in people's hands, but we are all about putting books in people's hands. Um, and I, I think, um, Certainly competition is good for any business and it's vital to keep you on your toes. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, we're all in the same game. We are all about sharing our love of reading and wanting other people to find that joy. 
I guess the last thing I wanted to ask about is what your hopes are for the future here. I guess you were saying it, most changes have been organic. Do you have anything planned or are you going to continue to play it by ear? Well, the books are the central reason for me being here. Um, I'm also looking for um, something to champion uh, while I'm here. Haven't fully finalized what that's going to be because I have lots of interests. Um, and for me, it has to be something that's uh, deeply community related. And so I'm looking for that thing. It hasn't happened exactly yet. And the books have been keeping me quite busy anyway. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very, very full-time job. Um, certainly I watch the calendar and I think about the changing seasons and what that means to my business. And I'm learning what that means to my business here uh, and the influx of visitors in the summer and, and how that changes things. There's almost uh, a full swing in business from uh, people that come in the rest of the year and people that are one, one or two time visitors. And this being a very seasonal province. It, it is. Um, one of the things I, one of the things that I'm interested in is seeing our tourism market become uh, year round in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. We're not there yet. When I first moved here 11 years ago, um, businesses were closed on Labor Day, tourism businesses, and I, I was aghast. Uh, but I have, in the 90s, spent a lot of time working uh, in the Niagara region, where we turned Niagara-on-the-Lake from a summer business to achingly slowly process of being year-round. And I was on the founding economic council to develop that there. Um, and that's a, a, a thing that I would like to work towards here. Uh, that's one of the, one of the columns of business that I would, I would like to see develop. Do you think, uh, the store has played a little bit of a role in that so far? I know you were selling, uh, tickets to the Indian River Festival and what about things like book launches and guest speakers and stuff like that? Well, I guess now would be a good time to announce that uh, throughout uh, the next three months, uh, every Saturday uh, is going to be the aftermarket book chat. Okay. Um, so Saturday afternoons when the market closes, uh, downtown Summerside gets very quiet. Right. Um, and I would like to help extend that uh, uh, time a little more positively uh, and entrench a Saturday afternoon uh, event in Summerside. So while I don't have a new book and author this Saturday, I am launching After Market Book Chat. And Saturday the 11th, uh, I have a new author uh, who will be doing a reading um, at two o'clock. And I encourage you all to look at my Twitter for updates on that. What's that Twitter? At It's a Nancy Thing. It's a Nancy thing. That's my Twitter handle. Like Seaside book at, at it's a Nancy thing. Okay. And would you say it was every Saturday or every other Saturday? Um, no, every Saturday I'm going to have aftermarket book chat. Awesome. Um, so time? aftermarket is after the market. The market cl closes at one. So I'm going to do aftermarket book chat uh, one to three. 
Um, and so that has a double meaning, not just after the market, but my books are after market. And I like it. Yeah, it's kind of fun, right? Um, so whether you clock it or not, either way, it has some meaning. Um, and I think if you like to go to the market and buy local produce, uh, locally made artisan lovely goods, uh, you know, craft beer, um, wonderful wine, flowers, yummy food, home-baked, all the good stuff. Life sharpening. You see, all, see, I like that too. Um, then you're probably the kind of person who likes to curl up on a Saturday afternoon and maybe leaf through a wonderful book too. Mm-hmm. Go enjoy some of that fine produce. Exactly. All right. Thank you very much, Nancy. Well, thank you. That was really great. At the end of each episode, I'm going to give listeners some reflections on what I've been learning as the host the producer, the promoter, uh, all parts of the show that I've been learning. Uh, I'm calling it the progress report for now. This week's report is on my lessons in recording remotely or recording on location. Uh, This is my first time doing that, recording on location in the bookstore. I found it pretty rewarding and also pretty exciting. Any description that I've tried to write feels contrived and dull, but I think our conversation gives a pretty good sense of what Seaside's vibe is like. Being in the store also gave Nancy several opportunities to describe the store herself and for me to ask about what's right in front of me. I hope this gave some sense of immediacy and presence. The other benefit of remote recording is going into the guest's territory rather than dragging them into a studio or basement closet. (laughs) Sometimes journalism is about afflicting the comfortable, but other times, like with a bookstore owner rather than a politician, I think it's a benefit to give up some home field advantage. We set up at 8 a.m., an hour before the store opens. I set up some mic stands on the bookshelves and a little desk that Nancy sometimes puts her laptop on. The new window she mentioned was right behind us, looking out towards the coast. There wasn't much we could do to combat noise and echo, but the stacks of books were actually okay for acoustics. Uh, I didn't think to tell her to turn off the landline phone. You may have noticed. Nancy actually got a box of books dropped off just as the store opened and after we'd recorded. I stuck around while she went through it and talked some insider stuff about the business scene in Summerside. Hopefully that's our next conversation. Oh, and she found one of the favorites that she mentioned in that new box, and she sent me home with it. An Uncle John's bathroom reader. You can follow Nancy Quinn on Twitter at It's a Nancy Thing under the handle Seaside Books. The store itself is at 240 Water Street in Summerside, PEI. You can follow this podcast on Instagram at OJT underscore podcast and on Twitter at OJT podcast. The Facebook page is OJT on the job training. You can follow me on Instagram at Logan.McLean.75 and on Twitter at LoganMcLean94. Finally, listeners, please check out our website, OJTPod.ca, for more pictures of Nancy and the bookstore, along with my written stories in photography and pages on other past guests and episodes. The podcast is available there and on all major streaming platforms. Please rate and subscribe and leave a review. Everything helps when getting a podcast off the ground. And if you like this show and want more interesting guests, listener feedback is the best way to help me reach new people and make that happen. This has been OJT on the job training. I'm Logan McLean. Thank you for listening.